going on guys welcome back to the Fieldcraft survival podcast this is austin and i'm sitting down with kevin for the ad space for this one and what's up kevin what's up Austin? we had a damn good day today didn't we, we did yeah it was a media day um it was a long day yeah but you know we're gonna bang out this podcast and this is gonna be an awesome one um but before we get to that we should probably talk about the folks that make it possible yep. for us to do this and provide this content for free so uh the first company that we need to recognize is Triarch. You know anything about Triarch? I do, man. So Triarch Systems, one, the guns, uh, the weapon systems that they make are top notch, uh, just like the people that work there. So Chris Reeves and the gang always take good care of us. They were here showing support at our grand opening and have been with us really since day one. So um, I know if, I I don't know, have you shot some of the Triarchs? You have. I've I've shot the um, the 1911 that they make, uh, which is a Tri-11. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. that thing, like, I'm a 1911 nerd because, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's part of, like, the Philippines' history. Yeah. Um, long story, that'll be another podcast. But, <laughs> the you know, when you look at a Tri-11 and you look at any 1911, one of the things you always uh, look for or feel for is the frame to the slide finish, and there's no slop in it. It's yeah. tight, but it's also as tight as it is, it's also smooth as glass when you right. when you rack it front and back, right. and then the lockup with the barrel. There's no play up or down. So, and one thing I've noticed with guns that have a tight tolerance is yeah. they tend to malfunction more. Mm-hmm. However, none of the Triar guns that I've used have yeah. ever had issues with that ever. Yeah, a lot of guys will buy an, a base level 1911 and then they pump like seven or eight hundred dollars into it minimum, and it still malfunctions. Right. It's sometimes actually it's a better idea to either get something super loose mm-hmm. and it's going to shoot all over the place or get something high quality like Triarch and exactly. it's going to perform and it's going to be super accurate. Right. And that's and that's really the way to go. So guys, head over to triarchsystems.com, use code fieldcraft and it'll save you 5% on your build. And our next sponsor that makes this podcast possible is Kevin. That's one of your favorites and that's our Hell friends yeah. at Kafaru. Yeah, so Kafaru uh, is a outdoor uh, backpacking company. They make backpacks, they make organizers, they make all sorts of stuff. Um, Amazing heated shelters, ultralight shelters with titanium folding stoves. Uh, They have a whole backcountry sled assortment. The guys at Kafaru, uh, they live what they do. You know, you can look at backpacks and say, oh, that was made by a backpack designer, or you can look at a backpack and say that was made by a backpack user. Well, Aaron Snyder is a CEO, and the dude is a monster. He's like a modern-day barbarian, and, <laughs> you know, he uh, he tests everything. At one point, he took an owl dad, you know, which is a big game animal mm-hmm. in Texas, and he packed the whole freaking thing uh, on the frame to see if it would break, and it didn't break. He didn't even dress it out. So we're talking a couple hundred pounds. Yeah. And those frames last and last and last. So uh, definitely check out the guys at Kafaru. Check out the products that they have. You'll buy a product once. You'll have it for your life. Uh, yeah. The website is www.kafaru.net. Check them out. Yeah, and I love Kafaru too. I really do. Uh, shout out to Dana over at Kafaru. She hooked me up uh, with a Kafaru hat after seeing me wear um, another brand. Another brand's hat. Uh, those that will not be named. So shout out to Dana. Thanks for the hookup. Uh, but anyway, so this podcast is actually going to be sitting down with our friend, our dear friend, John Bliss. And his beard. And his beard. They are yeah. two separate people. Um, but John, if you if you haven't been following Fuelcraft Survival HQ, which is one of our Instagram pages, uh, John manages that account and is the manager of uh, our store here at Fieldcraft Survival headquarters and um, I first met John, 
I don't know, probably six months ago, seven months ago. And we had interviewed a few people for the position to help come help with shipping. And then we were looking into moving into the store and all these things. We interviewed a handful of people, but as soon as we saw John, we all looked at each other and like, uh, that's the dude, he's got the look. Uh, and then lucky for us, he's got the personality to match good people. So, uh, but Kevin sat down, you sat down with John, uh, and just talked about him and kind of what his role is here. Yeah. And gear, lots and lots of gear because he's our retail store guy. So he sees gear usually before we do. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you guys are into gear and just talking about all sorts of stuff, gear related, everything from cigars and, and guns and training and gear and gear and gear. And by the way, gear, <laughs> uh, that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. And make sure you guys go over and follow John, what he's doing with fuel craft survival HQ and his personal, um, what, what's his personal, what's your personal John? Everyday John, EDJ, Everyday John is what it is. So go over and give him a follow and check out what he's doing. It's some cool stuff. All right, guys. So here you go. Into the podcast with Kevin Estella and our man, John Bliss. Hey, everyone. This is the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast, and I am Kevin Estella. I'm the director of training, but today I'm your host for this podcast, and I am joined by the one and only John Bliss, who is our retail store manager and the purveyor of a badass beard. What's up, John? Hey, hey Kevin, thank you. It's, a, it's awesome to get to do this. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is your first podcast for the company, right? Ah, first podcast for the company, second podcast ever, so. Really, what was, the, what was the other one you did? I did a podcast a long time ago called uh, The Scars We Share, where I kind okay. of went over just some of my history. Cool, cool, yeah, and uh, you know, they always say chicks dig scars. Um, I got a bunch of scars, like, I just got this one from from loading up the shotgun. It's on my my, my right knuckle. <laughs> um, I got one on my left hand from a hatchet. I've got one on my left forearm for where a girl bit me in college. Uh, we were play wrestling. She wasn't even my girlfriend at the time, but she was my girlfriend's friend. And we, uh, she the only way she could get her get me, you know, from not holding her down and like probably harassing her in one way or another playfully. She bit me, and I was like, oh my god, you're not playing. Like she actually broke broke the skin. Um, but yeah, welcome to the podcast. Uh, your role here is the retail store manager. Yeah, and you get to play with all the cool stuff. So let's I talk do. about let's talk about what we have in the store. Like, give me your top three items because normally you're the host saying like, "Hey, uh, tell me about your top five items." You do the Tuesday pocket dump. Tuesday um, pocket dump. But like, if you had to go through the store and say, "Hey, these are my top three items. This I love these. Tell me about them." So top three items. Number one, top of the list has got to be the Phil Craft Custom Fly Rods. Hell yeah. I got to sit down with uh, Rick Jensen from Divine Rods right in Midway, Utah. That's here in the Heber Valley. And we got to sit down, talk about what we wanted. I helped kind of pick out some of the color schemes and design a little bit. And that man has been making rods for over 25 years. He's taken these rods and uh, it's a four piece, five weight, nine foot. Five weight is a very even, mm -hmm. even rod for the entire, uh, for all of the fishing throughout the entire valley, uh, whether that's the lake or the rivers. And uh, he aligns the spine on them just perfectly. And even for a beginner like me, tight loops is easy. Very great rod. Uh, number two, Exotech, anything Exotech. It's hard to pick just one. Exotech, whoever is there designing their things is, is worth their weight in gold. Mm -hmm. Seeing the cool things that they can make in one little package that's a total survival package, is, that's pretty insane. Number three is tough. Because um, everything else is just still so... We, there's nothing bad in our store. There's not one thing I would say we need to get rid of. Um, you know I'm not going to let you just go with that answer. you got to pick a third. You know, like, a third. what's it going to be? 
So you said fly rod, SC knives. Exotec. SC knives, good SC choice. Knives. Okay, so why? Um, number one, everybody when they come in, that's one of the first things they see. They point out, whoa, who makes these knives? These look amazing. And uh, I'm lucky if I have you there to be able to like back up the whole entire story of Randall's adventure training in SE. And, you know, the product itself is great. Mm-hmm. I have an SE4 that my wife surprised me with, got my kids' initials engraved on them, so it's, it's personal to me. But getting to know the guys at SE and them reaching out to me on my smaller Instagram and just showing who they are and the true colors of people, like, it's tough to not back a company like that. Yeah, They're good people, and it's a great product that they stand behind. You don't find that much anymore. Yeah, all three of the, the products that you mentioned, uh, Divine Rods, Rick Jensen. I met Rick when he was here, um, and I said, I'm buying one of these fly rods. I have serial number three uh, in the OD green with the core candle. My buddy Dwayne Unger, our East Coast survival instructor uh, here at Fieldcraft, he has number three in the carbon fiber with the black uh, black finish. So those fly rods are awesome. I've used them here in Utah. I, I love them. You say, you know, like the, the uh, nine-foot... Uh, five weight fly rod. That's like the Glock 19 of, of fishing <laughs> fly rods. You know what I mean? Like it does a, a little bit. Of, it. it does a little bit of everything, right? Well, you can use that next time you sell one. Um, and then Exotac, the guys that design them, uh, I'm go- always butcher Rob's last name. It's like Falkenhaven, right? Something like that. It's, uh, Falcon, Falcon, I always, I always mispronounce it, but it's Rob from Exotac. I've hung out with Rob a bunch of times. Those guys are awesome. They're down in Georgia. And Rob believes in innovation, not invention. Although there are a couple things like you just brought me a box and you're like, hey, this just came from Exotac literally just today. And it's their new X reel, which is a pocket fishing kit. Uh, I'm going to talk to Katie to hopefully get these up on the on the website. And yes. I would love for you to carry these in the store because one of the classes that we teach here is modern predator. And people are always like, well, what is modern predator? And I'm like, it's hunting, fishing, trapping. It's putting food on the table. It's getting you beyond that 72 hour scenario and sustaining yourself off the land. And when people see that they can make crazy traps and they can catch fish very easily, they, they buy into it. Next thing you know, I get pictures of people that are, are making spears with their kids in the backyard. This X reel from Exotac, this thing's badass. And and the, you know what's great? I'm reading the, the description right now. Ready? It says, uh, where did I just see it? This is comical because I'm going to, I'm definitely going to go after them for this. Uh, all right. It says here, pocket fishing kit, a hand line perfect for hiking, camping, or your survival kit. I agree. Easily fits in your pocket or pack and has the bare necessities for catching small fish. Well, guess what, gentlemen? <laughs> Game's on. We're not just going to catch small fish. Uh Last year, uh, Kevin Owens and Austin sent me a Tenkara rod, and most people are like, oh, Tenkara rods are only good for mountain creeks and little six-inch trout. Well, I caught like a 14-inch brown trout uh, on a black woolly bugger, and everyone was like, oh, wow. oh you, you staged that. You staged. I'm like, yeah, watch me How do it again. St- and I did it again and again, and then suddenly it's like, okay, I guess they do work for that. But yeah, check that thing out. It's, it's pretty slick. Um, I don't know if they've, they've released them yet, but I know they're going to. And I think that makes a natural addition to our store. Um, and then the last thing that you mentioned was SE knives. Yes, sir. So the guys from SE are, are phenomenal. Like, you know, I always think of when it comes to survival schools, like there are a handful of survival schools that I, I recommend. Uh, and, you know, obviously I want to promote people coming to Fieldcraft as much as possible because we're in the business of, of teaching people. But, you know, not everyone has the ability to travel across country. And if you if we can't get there and someone's nearby, that's a good friend, uh, uh, an asset. I'm going to say go check them out. Uh, And at some point, I'm going to get the SE guys here to teach either a high angle rescue class or uh, some type of course because they're they're SMEs in their own right. Um, But the guys at SE are, are solid, solid individuals, good people. 
Patrick Rollins, their lead instructor, uh, wrote a recommendation on the back of my book. Uh, he and I go way back. Same thing with Ruben Bolio. And yeah, they're they're solid people. I'll actually be at the SE booth at Blaze Show this year, cool. uh, BSing with them. And Mm-mm. I'll show them a couple of the knives that I've beaten up a little bit over the years. <laughs> but uh, so that, okay, so you got, you got your top three items. Um, I wonder what TSA thinks every time SE has to fly with all their knives. Dude, how about what TSA thinks when any of us flies with their knives? <laughs> I've got, like, in my in, in Connecticut at uh, Bradley Airport, a couple of the TSA guys know me, like, just because I would fly through there regularly before I moved out here. And they'd go through, they'd go, they'd send my bag through the x-ray machine. And a couple of times, they've just given me, like, thumbs up, like, awesome, you know? <laughs> or, uh, you know, training in, like, Filipino martial arts, having aluminum trainers in there, live blades, right? Like, all sorts of stuff. They, they've looked in there and, like what are you doing when you like, they're not even supposed to ask that question. Like, what are you doing when you go to the, your, this next destination? But as long as you know the laws uh, and the rules and when you get to the counter for the airline check-in, you don't say, I have a gun. You say, I need to declare an unloaded firearm. It's as long as you have a permit from where you are and where you're going, it's very easy to travel with a unloaded sure. firearm. Um, but hey, back on you, back on you. Uh, what was your job before you got to Fieldcraft Survival? Like, how, like, walk me through the story, because I don't think I even know that story of how you came to work for Fieldcraft. When I came here in November, you were working shipping. That's right, yeah. All right, so talk us through. So, um, I, I arrived here at Fieldcraft in probably the end of September of last year. I had saw somebody posted an ad about a shipping clerk needed, the name of the company is mentioned on the back of it, and I was like, this sounds interesting. Hopped on the website, checked, and I was like, all right, I can get behind this. Before then, I was actually a business manager for a local moving company. And if anybody knows anything about Utah, um, it's booming here. Mm -hmm. This was a small little mom and pop operation, maybe 10 guys, two trucks. And of those 10 guys, four, maybe five were full-time. And we ended up just having to run, run, run. It was, it was a really great experience. Um, so when I ended up finding Philcraft and wanting to jump in, you know, it was it was quite the transition from being the the guy that schedules everything and sells everything and does everything into just being a shipping clerk and I couldn't sit still. There's there's no way for me to just stand around and do nothing. So I was always finding work to do and I was really grateful to know have Mike notice that. So getting moved up was pretty quick for me and especially with my resume, it wasn't it wasn't too far of a stretch. So I was really grateful and you know, I just kind of fit in here. It just worked. Um, I've always had an interest in the outdoors. I grew up on a small ranch in Idaho. I've always, you know, we've always went out hunting and fishing. Fly fishing is relatively new for me, but hunting and fishing isn't. I always had an older brother that would take me out to go with him. My dad, like hunting was a big deal. You take two weeks off work. We got pulled out of school for it. They actually started giving us a like school breaks during that time where I was from in Idaho. So the kids would just naturally be gone. So all of this wasn't too far of a stretch. I never had a military background, but you know, I always loved firearms. So getting in was, was pretty simple. Or getting to understand these things was simple. There's a lot of knowledge that goes on. Every day is like drinking from a fire hose here <laughs> between Kevin Owens, Kev, you, Kevin Estella, Austin. Um, it's awesome when people like Raul come down to, to talk. Like, and I've got to be the coolest people. I've met Jack Carr. He walked up to me, shook my hand, and was like, hey, I'm Jack. And I'm like, I just ordered 300 of your books and saw your face on the back of everyone. I'm pretty sure I know who you are. But for him to come and just like be that humble, man, there's a ton of cool people that come through here. Kita Busse was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
breaking bread with Andy Stump was really cool. Having the knife workshop that we just had, yeah. meeting the guys from Blade HQ, that was badass. And seeing all of the different knives that you have collected over the years and learning, you know, everybody thinks they know knives, right? Everybody carries a knife and like, oh yeah, you know, I know enough. There's always so much more to learn. Yeah, and I think the reason why Jack Carr uh, shook your hand is because he saw your beard and he saw his, <laughs> and he's like, my beard can't compete, so therefore he submitted to you. So that, that was a solid move. I used to do beard competitions. Really? How long you know did it take to grow that beard? So April 2013 is when I started growing my beard. Okay. I used to have like beard birthdays for it. Yeah. And uh, beard competitions were serious things. If you've ever seen Whisker Wars like on Netflix, I've actually got to go compete on stage with some of those guys. And... People take it way too seriously. For me, it was fun. It was just great to get out. There's a place here locally in Utah that's called Snowbird. And okay. during, the, during the winter, it's a great ski resort. During the summer, they have Oktoberfest. And part of that is a, a beard and mustache competition mm -hmm. that got huge. Well, it was before COVID. I don't know if they're still as big as it used to be. But that was pretty interesting. A lot of people, there's guys out there who are sponsored by their beards. They make a living from their beards. Yeah. Do you use any of that stuff like beard oil or like do you have a beard comb or anything like that? I do. There's like a beard routine that I do. I'm not as crazy about it as I used to be, but. So if it's not proprietary, what is it? Uh, man, shower. It's very important. Like, and everybody's going to laugh at this. And I'm probably going to have to like put a little stamp on my man card of like probationary period but blow drying it blow drying it's super really? important because if you keep the water on your skin underneath it causes it to dry out and itch so you'll see guys or hear of guys who are like i can't just get my beard longer at this point because once it starts itching man i just can't do it that's how you stop it you know i've got this like half asian beard that uh <laughs> it's like it's sometimes there sometimes it's not um so i i have the utmost respect for a solid beard um now you're not just a bearded guy you're also a cigar aficionado I, yeah. So cigars are a big thing for my family. Yeah. It started when I was 18. Um, what was your first cigar? <laughs> my very first cigar was like one of those Swisher Sweets, the nasty Dude! grape. I'm pounding that one. All right. Talk about it. Swisher Sweets, man. I remember the first couple puffs. I was like, this is kind of good. And you got really sick. Uh, my first, the cigar that like started it for me though, was Drew Estate's Acid Blondie. Nice. Just the small little petite Corona. What is it? Like a 20, 30 minute smoke. Mm -hmm. And it was just so good that you're like oh this must be what it was and yeah. i had the misconception that like drew estate cigars were every type of cigar like every cigar is going to have that nice sweet flavor and when you got your first like swiss delight or those little pencil cigars that you yeah. buy for like 99 cents and it's like ugh, you become dead wrong pretty quick yeah the philly blunts that everyone buys yeah. and they, <laughs> you know it's funny you see a bunch of teenagers buying philly blunts and it's like you're not smoking that for that tobacco you're using it for the wrapper come on now sinner um that's funny but yeah, this, that's funny. Swisher Sweets was my first cigar too. Um, my first cigar, I was 17 years old. I was at Eastern Connecticut State University when I was a junior in high school at Boys State, which was a mock government put on by the American Legion. And we had two guys there from West Point that were kind of our advisors, but these advisors were dipping the whole time. And yeah, they made us do like physical, you know, fitness assessments and whatnot, but they were, you know, they, we'd occasionally catch them dipping or smoking a cigar. Well. One of one of the guys at Boy State was like, "Oh, go out and get me cigars." And the 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 dude from West Point went out and bought a bunch of teenager cigars. Um, and he's like, "Hey, you ever have a cigar?" And I'm like, "No. How do you smoke it?" And next thing you know, I, I tried the Swisher Sweet, the type of cigar that you mentioned, the 
the Drew Estate Blondie. I like the, I guess we call it like a sister cigar, the Cuba Cuba. Yes. Um, Cuba Cubas became like, <clears throat> uh, before I worked for Fieldcraft, my group of survival instructors that worked in my company, we called them the Cadre. It was like the Cadre cigar for, for Estella Wilderness Education. Cool. Uh, my mentor, Chris Syok, uh, he would always give us Cuba Cubas at his house in, in Florida. Um, and you talk about the Blondie being that nice 20 minute smoke. I like a good 20 minute smoke, but I also like, they make the Cuba Magnum. The Cuba Magnum is like a C cell maglite flashlight, and you better <laughs> commit an entire night to smoking it. And you know, with cigars, so there are some people that like the first third of the cigar, the, right. the middle third. Some people like the the final third. You smoke a good cigar like the Cuba Magnum, that whole experience mm-hmm. is just solid. Um, yeah, I mean, we could geek out on cigars. Well, on the back end of cigars, a lot of people when they get that first third. I don't think a lot of people understand that depending on the humidity of the cigar, the way the wrapper is, but once you start getting past that third, I forget what it's called, but it's where the smoke starts to build up in the center. Mm-hmm. And if you, I forgot the terminology, but essentially you take it and you, instead of sucking through it, you blow through it and you purge it of that smoke. I've never then, learned that. Yeah. You'll blow the smoke out the front of it. You'll purge it. You'll take that second drag and it's almost like you fresh lit it again. Huh? And I know, now that's that's you learn something new every day there it is i'm gonna purge my cigars (laughs) when they get you know long like that um but i remember there were people that talked about you know you look at the the amount of ash that's on the end of your cigar and if it's densely packed it's gonna you can have two or three inches of ash just standing there right that's how you know it's a good wrapper yeah yeah so i mean we could geek out on cigars um cigar cutters cigar lighters um i know a lot of people that will still light a cigar with a butane lighter the I know. Look, if you guys can see the expression <laughs> on his face, um, I've known a lot of people that will light a strip of Spanish cedar with a match or a lighter and then light the cigar. Yep. That's like the most legit way to, to do it. Speaking of gear, look at this. Look at that. Oh, that's the brand new Corvette? Yeah, the new Corvette looks like a Lamborghini. It does. Yeah, guys, it? we're at the Fieldcraft headquarters. We're looking at the cars passing by, and I'm keeping track of my, my forerunner outside so none of the guns that we shot today disappear. So, you know. That was awesome. Thank you, was, by that, the way. That was a good time. Um, I learned so much today. What, what did you learn? So. So so let's let's set the stage for everyone. So, guys, we're going to jump around a lot today. That's the nature of talking about gear and cool stuff. So, uh, you know, we can come back to cigars later. You might want to light a cigar because this might be a long podcast. <laughs> but, uh so today we had a media day and on our media days, this is where we get an opportunity to take the photos that you see on our website. You get to see some of the videos. We have a brand new target that's coming out. I can't tell you what it looks like or how it works, but we filmed videos that will show you different drills that you can utilize cross platform. So whether that's pistol, carbine, shotgun, uh, eventually long range. Uh, so precision rifle, we shot a series of videos that you'll be able to access. Uh, I didn't even want to tell you how you can access them, but it's a training tool, right? We're all about training. We want to educate you guys to be the best versions of yourself. So we were out today at one of the properties that we have access to, and there's obviously downtime when you're filming. So I had a chance to hang out with John a little bit. We shot you know, a ball and dummy drill with a shotgun and that hurt. We, yeah, it's a, it's a good drill. And then, uh, we had a little free time where John, you know, stretched out to about 200 yards with his AR. And, uh, then we, we shot a little bit of pistol. So we're out there. We had a beautiful day. We had a lot of folks with us, but John and I got a little one-on-one towards the very end. And, and I showed John just a couple pointers and we could talk about those here. So, sure. so what did you learn? So I learned a more efficient grip. Okay. And I'd seen Mike do this grip on a couple of videos and like I said, I've, I've grown up shooting. And so 
you get in that natural habit, that natural state of this is how I've always done it. So it must be right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the simple different hold technique immediately made me more accurate. And I knew by just how raising it up to my sights, it was immediately better. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pointing of the thumb, um, and then the, the rotation of your body as you're going from one hand to the other. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought I would try shooting left-handed. Yeah. Uh, and to be accurate left-handed was, was, was pretty crazy. That was something new for me. So uh, what is it called? Bad breath distance? Yeah. Is that what you yeah. called it? Yeah. So two hands rotate to the right, two hands rotate to the left, and to see exactly, being able to still group my shots as well as I mm-hmm. did and hit where I was intending to. Like, I don't know. It was... It changed everything for me. Complete game changer. And I can't wait to try it on our simulator. Yeah, it all it all comes down to side alignment and trigger control. I mean, when you see people doing trick shots, holding the gun upside down, squeezing the trigger with their pinky, you're essentially just doing side alignment and trigger control. And, you know, it's it's very easy to complicate a process. And what you have to do is you have to find something that works for you. Now, Mike has an amazing video on grip. And I've learned stuff from, from Mike. And I've been shooting for 20 plus years. Um, I've learned from some interesting people. Kyle DeFore is a good friend of mine, uh, and I've shot with him. Another dude that's on the back of my book. Uh, Bill Rapier is another one. Tom Kyer is another one. I've learned so much over the years from these different instructors, and you pick up little nuggets that you kind of, if you apply like a JKD philosophy, Jeet Kune Do philosophy, it's like you absorb what's useful, right? And I absorb these little things. So what we did today was I had John put more emphasis in using his support hand, uh, so it would be his left hand in this case, to pinch the gun and operate the pistol with just his uh, index finger and kind of put less emphasis on the three amigos, right? The pinky, the ring, and the middle. And right. and that's often what happens when you when you close your you, when you close your trigger finger and you squeeze your middle finger and your other fingers below that are going to input additional uh, uh, muscular uh, muscular tension on the gun which makes it less accurate so we did that and then we shot uh with the right hand and the left hand independently and then we also talked about getting off the x shooting one-handed and using the concept of pointing with the back plate instead of just with the sights so there are all these little things that you know at close distance uh you know there are courses out there that talk about like point versus precision you know like at what point can you just point your gun at the threat where the back plate covers it and you know that the bullet will fall somewhere within the back plate? Yeah, that and, was interesting too. Yeah, and you know, that at, at that bad breath distance, you don't always <clears throat> have to, you don't have time to find your sights because especially if a person is closing on you right. or if you're moving or, or other scenarios, you may only have a split second to get that gun pointed in the general direction, change their demeanor, and then you can find your sights as that gun is recoiling. So we just played around with a couple things, but I watched John drill it today and now... It's like there's always there's always a way to train. So next time, and you were shooting a Glock 19, right? That's right. Yeah, Gen 3. I yeah. had magazine extensions on it, and it's a little bit too big for my hands, I thought. But after today, I'm sold. Yeah, or you got to sold try, on my own gun. Yeah, or you got to try the 48, which I I love the 48. Um, it's like the Canadian Glock 19 because it's a 10 round mag capacity, sure. slightly longer sight radius, and super thin. It's a great summer carry. Whenever I travel back to Connecticut, it's usually my my carry gun because that's what I can carry out there. Um, but yeah, you you were doing well with that. So your 1911 was pretty nice to shoot too. <laughs> yeah. My first time ever shooting a 1911, and I, I'm I loved it. Yeah, that's uh. So for you gun geeks out there, it's a Wilson Combat CQB. Last year, I won the Jeff Cooper Memorial Scholarship to Gunsight. I went to Gunsight. I shot the 1911 at Gunsight because Jeff Cooper was a 1911 guy, and at the final shoot off, 
you know, the final shoot off is two, two different classes of the 250 pistol. My class, I think had 12 or 13. The other class had 12 or 13. It was a total of, uh, maybe it was, maybe it was more, but I know I, out of like 25 or 26 students, um, I was the top shot. So I, I ended That's up, cool. yeah, I ended up, uh, it was the best of ours against the best of theirs at the very end. And then I outshot the other guy and then I got the special pin. It's a silver Raven that, uh, you only get if you win the, the top shot of the class. So to not just win one class, but two classes being a Jeff Cooper scholarship recipient, it meant a lot to me. So, uh, I love the 1911 too. It's uh, they call it the professional's gun because you really have to maintain it. It's not as forgiving as a Glock. Um, and you know, when it is properly maintained and when you know that gun, it's so fast and it's so accurate and it's comfortable in the hand and, but it's a big chunk of steel, you sure. know? And yeah. uh, my buddy, David Cagle says, you know, it's twice the weight, half the capacity. So uh, yeah, it's, it's something that you just have to appreciate. It's like a nice fine cigar, John. You know? <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, uh, we, we had a good time today. Uh, that was fun. Uh, the dummy drill, what's it called? The dummy turkey drill? Ball and dummy. Ball and dummy. Why did I get turkey? Oh, cause turkey Cause, loads. Cause I threw in a couple turkey loads just to be that guy. Cause yeah. I, you're a bigger dude. And I was like, yeah, you can, you can take it. So. Guys, we're going to interrupt this podcast and talk to you about one of our sponsors, and that sponsor is Element. Element is a drink mix that's taking over the world. With Element, you can get back those valuable electrolytes after fasting, after a workout. That'll help you fight the keto flu, help you fight carb, cra carb cravings, and kickstart your morning, and help you fight off that late morning grogginess that we get. Element has zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients, and no coloring. Many professional athletes and leagues like the NBA and NFL are using it. The weightlifting team for Team USA is using it, as well as a few SEAL teams and a few other tactical teams in the Marine Corps and the FBI. Element is offering the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast listeners a special opportunity to try Element for free. Using our link that's down in the show notes, Element will send you a sample pack that includes eight packets of assorted flavors. All you have to pay is the shipping, which here in the U.S., you're probably looking at around five bucks or so. Don't miss out on this offer, guys. It's totally risk-free, and all you have to do is sign up through our link and go on and find the stuff. If you change your mind, you can get a no questions, no BS return, uh, and they're proud to offer that no BS customer service. Uh, I've tried it. The rest of the team has been trying Element, and we've been using it for a while now, and we promise you guys it's worth checking out. Back to the podcast. So. That was fun. Um, being able to do it towards the very end and just one round after the other, one round after the other, getting that nice feeling of like you're playing Doom 1995 again. Oh my that God. was cool. Oh my God. Were you a big gamer? No. No? <laughs> I was a big computer nerd. I loved Windows. I loved uh, I, 95 was awesome. But as soon as they started getting to be more advanced, that's when I started getting into cars and girls. I started getting to that age, you know? But Doom 95, I learned all the cheats. I still remember uh, IDKFA, IDDQD. That's all weapons, unlimited ammo, and God mode. Do you remember Contras? I do Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. Nope. You don't remember that from Contra? Uh-uh. What's so, Contra? How old are you? God, I was born in 89. That makes me 32. Yeah, so you're 32. Uh, damn, so you, you probably missed that because by then, Contra for the original Nintendo uh, system, not Super Nintendo, but the one before that, what was it? Right, the a NES. The NES, right. So Contra was this game where you're basically either Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. If you look at the cover of the Contra game, the picture of the lead character is essentially the same picture as Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator crossing over the tripwires that they set out for the Predator. The other character in that game is meant to be Rambo. So if you look at the front of the Contra game, it's actually that. Um, so 
So Contra was basically Arnold and Rambo against aliens, right? <laughs> and if you did up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, select, uh, A, B, A, B, select, start, you got, uh, I, I don't think it was Infinity Men, but like you got a lot of extra lives. Um, and everyone knew that that code. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the, the big video game of the day. Um, but around, wait, so 89, uh, 89, so, hmm, how old were you when, and this is something that you guys are going to find out, how old were you when you were in that movie that you told me about? Oh, hell. Yes. I want to know about it. They want to know about it. Napoleon Dynamite. So, if you've ever seen Napoleon Dynamite, you have seen my hometown. That entire high school was my high school, those Technicolored lockers. And I don't know if this is a privilege, but I got to be in it. And uh, I got to meet a lot of the people there. I was just going into my freshman year. That was the summer in between my, my me getting out of middle school or junior high or whatever they call it now. So you were into, a youngin. I was youngin. Yeah, and so if you ever get on that movie, if you ever see somebody in the back bounce around with a hat on, that was me. Um, I actually, they gave me my own IMBD page just because of that. It says I'm in some other horror movie that I don't remember being in, but I was definitely Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, if you look through there, I could tell you so many stories about each individual place. Like I could stop you in each scene and tell you something that's happened in that spot. Or I could tell you about like the guy that's a bully in Napoleon Dynamite. In real life, he is the sweetest kid and wouldn't bully a fly. And it was really funny that they picked him to be the bully in that. Uh, the guy that shoots the cow, Lyle, he is an actual person from that town. Uh, and when you go to the egg farm, uh, growing up, I remember my brother coming home working from that egg farm with the chickens and getting paid and changed just like that. Uh, they, my brother even came home and did the whole egg in the uh, orange juice for the protein. I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, funnier part of it, when they played that movie in my hometown, like did a screening, Preston, Idaho, right there. It's called the Worm Creek Opera House. And it's just a small mom and pop theater. There was not a laugh in the entire place. Everybody was like, just kind of sat there and watched. I think as soon as everybody understood, like it wasn't supposed to be taken seriously and it wasn't dogging on our hometown, it became funnier for some people, but not a lot of people found it funny right at first. Yeah, that the, <clears throat> the egg and the orange juice was kind of weird. Uh, I love Uncle Rico. I think we all have an uncle or we know a guy from our hometown that still is kind of reliving the dream. Like if Coach you just know, put me back coach in. Coach just put me in. Um, so I told you the story that Uncle Rico in real life is a vegetarian. Like I'm a total weirdo <laughs> when it comes to movie trivia. And there's a scene where he's eating a steak. And when he turns around to grab uh, grab something, he actually palms the steak in that he was just eating in his hand because he was a vegetarian. He didn't want to eat it. Um, yeah, and I, we've talked about some of the other characters in there. And uh, were you in the, were you in the auditorium when Napoleon did his dance? I was not. That was the day, the one and only day that I missed. But in that same auditorium, that's where they kept us in between all the, the scenes. And the guy that played Pedro would get up on that stage and do uh, kind of like an improv sketch type comedy where it's just him, one chair, and he would act out scenes like there was actual props there. No words, silent, mm -hmm. but it was funny. He was just a very naturally funny guy and a very f nice person as well. I remember he walked up the, to the director wearing this long black trench coat and pulled out this like novelty plastic toy gun and punched him in the face with a boxing glove that comes and pops out. And he's like, I'm packing heat. And everybody just lost it in the hallway. It's like data from Goonies. Remember, I don't know if you saw Goonies. If you did, if it's you been know, a long time, but I've seen Goonies. I was going to say, yes. if you don't know what Contra is, you probably don't know what Goonies is. Damn. <laughs> um, Truffle Shuffle. Yeah, see, okay, so you know that one. All right, you know the Truffle Shuffle. Um, and that's actually uh, Thanos, right? Josh Brolin. Oh, for real? Yeah, Josh Brolin. Thanos was uh, was Bran, right? The one that they 
uh, put on the little kid's bike, and oh yeah, that was that's Thanos. That's funny. Yeah, you got to watch it all over again and, and picture him stealing souls. You know what I just watched for the first time? What's up? You're gonna smack me, and I only watched it because Kevin Owens was talking about it. Rambo, the first one. The first Rambo. Never seen it before. Really? Yeah. I, I won't smack you because I, that's my probably my favorite movie. I thought it was awesome. Uh, what'd you like about it? I mean, there's there's a lot of different things, right? It's, yeah. It's early Stallone, right? It's right after he did Rocky, but that movie, character development wise, I mean, it was amazing. He doesn't say anything. Like very rarely does he say anything in that movie. It just makes you wonder why, like at the very beginning, they didn't just let his commanding officer just like go get him. They could have saved so many lives and heartaches by just like letting the guy go do what he's gonna do. Yeah, and and that. That story, Jack Carr is a big fan of Rambo too. Um, Good to know. We, he and I talked about Rambo when we did the podcast, but when we weren't recording, and we were just talking about how the book, the novel, has a very different ending than the movie. Oh, good to know. I should let you borrow the book, and you're going to be like, holy crap, that's a totally different ending. Um, I won't tell you how it ends, but I will okay. tell you that in the book, Rambo isn't this guy that kind of spares the lives of everyone. It's actually the total opposite. <laughs> and for a good portion of the book, he's running around. It, the book is, is, I believe it was in Kentucky. It's not in Hope, British Columbia, where, where sure. it takes place. But in the book, he actually is running around naked, and he takes weapons off of uh, some folks and gets clothed later on. Um, and the dudes from Black Rifle Coffee, they actually have the original painting that was the cover art for First Blood hanging up in the studio. Ooh. So I saw that when I was out here in November and I'm like, that's the original photo from first blood. Um, but yeah, I was a, a huge Rambo nerd myself. Um, and I went to, you have they, the Rambo knife. Right? I do. I do. I've got, I've got a couple modern versions of it. I've got a, a Newt Martin version, which was, uh, he was a, a, a sailor, uh, Newt passed away a couple years ago from leukemia. So, you know, rest in peace, Newt. Um, and Newt sponsored my trip to British Columbia to recreate the Rambo experience. Like I went up there, That's I didn't, so cool. I didn't put on a, a piece of canvas. I didn't run around like that, but I did. Uh, All natural, just naked, right? Yeah, not, naked Estella. Uh, not again. Um, so I did that. <laughs> so I did that uh, up there, and I took the cord wrap off the handle, and I made a bird trap with it. I made twitch up snares with it. I said, "There's no." Uh, wild boar in Vancouver, but I bet I could catch squirrel and I bet I could catch birds up here and I could fish with it. I found the Rambo cliff. Um, I actually cool. had to trespass to, to get to the Rambo cliff because I went in April and the, the cave system w that to get to the cliff was closed. And I was like, I didn't come all this way to not see the cliff. So I jumped over the fence. I ran through the cave even though they said that it could collapse. I was like, I don't care. Um, <laughs> probably not my best decision I've ever made in my life, but definitely not my worst. And, uh, <laughs> and I got there and it was like, that's the Rambo. That's the Rambo cliff. Like it's, it has not changed in 40 years. He shoots a helicopter. No, he shoots a guy out of a helicopter. He doesn't shoot anyone in that. He throws a rock at the helicopter and then Galt falls. So that's the only body count in, in Rambo, the first blood. He throws a rock and Galt falls out it because he un, he unbuckled to to shoot Rambo. Oh, the other guys he just like seriously injures. They never die, huh? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't kill him, but he you know cuts the the hamstring of uh, oh. David. Uh, what was that guy's name? David Caruso and all the other ones. He's like putting punji sticks into their thighs and like yeah, he, he didn't tickle them. Let's put it that way. Huh? I never. I guess that's part. Of, I never caught on to that. Yeah, I, I I love that movie. But in the uh, book, he kills him, huh? I, I'm not saying it. You got to read. It. I'll bring right. in the copy of the book, um, and you're gonna love it. 
But um, we got a lot of books out in the store. We, we talked about your three favorite uh, items in the store. Uh, what are some of the things? Let, let, let's move into your daily job here at, at Fieldcraft. Um, you come in every single day. I walk in. You're like, I made coffee. And I'm like, yeah. I love you. I love you, John. But what what do you normally what do you normally do here at Fieldcraft? Not a lot. Just hang out, give high fives, morale booster. <laughs> yeah, that's not every morning. Is literally, I start off with Black Rifle coffee, and it's funny because I wasn't a coffee drinker before working here. Uh, coffee's always gave me such a stomachache, and Black Rifle coffee is the only coffee that I can I'll drink straight black and love it. Yeah, never never makes me sick to my stomach. So first thing is a pot of coffee, get caffeinated. Go through the till, make sure everything's straight, everything's in alignment. Hop onto emails. My favorite, my absolute favorite part is the networking. Yeah, I love being able to reach out to new vendors, new people, find products, make sure the products work for here. I think that's very important because we've had a lot of cool products that come in that we can't put on the shelves. Correct. I love cool products. I'm, I'm like the number one like nerd when it comes to stuff like this, but it's got to serve a purpose and it's got to serve that purpose well. Yeah. And I've got to make sure at least one person uh, in HQ has used it and can like verify like, yes, this is a quality that will quality product that will actually work. So networking's big, networking's fun, going through all the emails. Um, but customer interaction is just the day to day normal. Mm -hmm. uh, the minute somebody comes in, making sure that they know like coffee's free, come get a cup of coffee, come get a bottle of water, sit and chat. There's no expectation of buying things because by the time that they leave there, they're going to have enough product knowledge to know, okay, I am going to want to buy this and it's worth a lot of our stuff isn't cheap. Like it, it's, it's tough to say it that way, but it's, it's affordable, but it's not cheap. And so when they leave with something from here, it's going to serve a purpose. It's going to serve a well. It's going to last them a while. And if it doesn't, they know they can come back and talk to me. Yeah. And it's, it really is stuff that we all use. So whether it's <clears throat> the long range game with Kevin Owens, whether it's the, the tourniquet holders with all of our tactical trainers, the survival gear that, I mean, if you guys follow my page, you'll see that I'm using the stuff that we have in the store. Um, you know, the black rifle coffee that y you talk about it, that stuff, when you make it, um, you are like, be careful with this. And I, I had a cup <laughs> cause they made a special brew for us and that stuff made me be able to smell colors <laughs> and, and it made me be able to hear smells. Rocket um, fuel, man. Yeah. Um, I usually, what I, cause what I usually do is I wake up in the morning, um, and I use the athletic greens which yeah. we, we just got and those are kind of cool. And so I, I drink those, like that's my daily greens in, in just like 12 ounces. Then I come here, I have usually a cup of coffee on the way, then I get the reload of, of the Black Rifle coffee. Are you still using the Kafaru supplements? Yes, I am. Yeah, 100%. Did the, I ever tell uh, you my story about that? You told me that it cured you of something, right? No, it kept me from getting COVID. Yes. Hand yeah. on the Bible, man. My daughter, she came home from school. She's four and a half years old. Vivian is like, my whole world. She came home from school. They had told us that there had been a couple cases in there. We got her tested. She had like a sore throat and a fever that night. Got her tested the next day. She tested positive. I tested myself, tested negative, but we're all in quarantine together, right? Now, a four and a half year old, once they're off their schedule like that, everything's different. Everything's changed. She's not going to sleep in her bedroom alone. So I ended up sleeping face to face with this positive COVID germ bag. Just kidding. I love this girl. But she uh, slept face to face with her. She would sneak drinks from my drink. Got her, both her and I went back and got tested again a couple days later. Uh, we're both negative. And then for me to come back to work, I made, went back and made sure that I was negative again. And before this, like if somebody had a cold upstairs, they mm -hmm. didn't have to work next to me. If somebody had a flu, cold, just some sort of sickness, I got it. 
I always got. I've always been the guy that gets whatever. And for me to not get COVID, and I've been taking those kafaras just like regularly yeah, every they, morning. What do they call them? Elemental defense. No, I got the revival packs. Oh, the, oh yeah. So it's got like the five pills in there. The, the fish, pills. the fish oil, the vitamin yeah. C, all that stuff. I've had more energy in the day. Like it was just really crazy. So yeah. I keep trying to tell Aaron every time he goes live, like, "Hey, you saved me from COVID." I don't know if it's actually true or not, but it's the only thing I can attribute it to. Hey, if you believe it, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, I think people they kind of neglect their health. Um, I like those vitamin packs because, you know, when you're traveling, like, I mean, I'm on the road constantly with, with this company, like sure. I'm traveling here, there, everywhere. And it's so easy for me to just grab, like, if I know I'm going to be away for five days, I grab five of those packs. Right. And then I grab five of the, of the, um, uh, the athletic green packs. Right. And I know that right there, I mean, I might be off my diet essentially, and I might yeah. be putting on some road weight, but I know that at least I'll have the vitamins and supplements covered. Um, but I know we're, we're running short on time because, I mean, God, how long have we been talking? Probably a while, right? What's that say? About a half hour now. Half hour? Okay, yeah. So we're, we're, we're still doing good. okay. Still good. Now, I want to run you through a, a, a series of questions, a battery yes, of questions, because we always talk with the podcast guests about the pillars of preparedness. Yeah. Um, we already mentioned community, right? We know that we've got Austin, we got Kevin, we got this Kevin, we got Mike, we got Didi, we got Ricky, we got everyone in the company, right? We're, we got community. Um, one of the other pillars that we talk about with Fieldcraft is everyday carry. So you, I don't think, have done a pocket dump, but what are some of the items that you would say are daily essentials that you throw on or you put in Ooh. your pockets every single day? You talked about your gun already. What knife are you carrying? So I have two knives currently. I have a folder in my handy little yellow birch pocket. Yeah, yellow birch outfitters. Uh, that's what, the modern slip or something like that? He, so Jay Pulaski from Yellow Birch Outfitters, he makes these awesome organizers that were hopefully going to carry hey guys one more time we're going to interrupt you and talk to you about one of our sponsors and this sponsor is one of my particular favorites and that is headspace wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you just sleep better focus act and just feel better overall well there is and if you have about 10 minutes of time headspace can really change your life headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of a guided meditation in an easy to use app. So I've been using Headspace for a few weeks now. Um, so being the media director as well as a, uh, an instructor for survival and med and working for this company at Fieldcraft, we move at the speed of light, it seems like. And it's really hard to keep up sometimes, especially with so many things going on. It's easy to get stressed out. So one thing I've been doing is logging in, um, taking the time, the 10 minutes a day, do a little bit of meditation. It helps kind of relax take the stress out of the atmosphere. You deserve to feel happier in Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash fieldcraft. That's headspace.com slash fieldcraft for a one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditation for every situation. This is the best deal offered anywhere right now. Head to headspace.com slash fieldcraft today and check it out. All right, guys, back to the podcast. Yeah, and so you'd come back, and it was, if you guys haven't been on to EDJ every day, John, I do a video where I explain uh, we're getting into summer here in Utah, and ever since last year, I've really upped my EDC game, which if you're hanging out with Kevin Estella for 40 hours a week, it's bound to happen. <laughs> uh, I brought home a ferro rod the other day, and my wife looks at me and says, you still use gasoline in a match. What are you going to do with this? Um, so working here, I've really upped my EDC game. So this pocket comes in handy to make sure I have everything in one pocket and it's not like with jeans, it's pretty easy with all the different pockets to like stack stuff in. 
but when you start wearing shorts, like you need something like this. So my pocket's a big thing, but I, uh, I got these knives from Civilware. I have a folder one that's called the puncher and then I have a fixed blade. Is this called the packer? Uh, I don't know what the, the name of that yeah, is. Packer, BFS packer. packer. Okay. I've got one of my desk over at the studio. Um, I haven't had a chance to really play with them all that much, but they're tied with Andy Muckle, the flip-flop guy that will flip be here. Flip-flop guy. Yeah, which he makes good stuff, too. If you guys were talking about gear tonight or today, we're, what a time you're listening to this, guess what? <laughs> maybe the sun's up, maybe the sun's down. So Andy Muckle makes a, uh, a really cool barbecue sauce. Uh, he's a flip-flop guy. So Is he flip-flop barbecue? That's the dude. I saw that pass by on my YouTube yeah, the other day. he's the guy that, go back and check that out. told us to contact that knife company or he just had the knife company send us the box and you happen to get the the only blaze orange one so um, i love orange yeah so you got you got your two knives yep and uh, i never thought i'd edc a fixed blade but this thing has come in handy far more than i really thought it would if you edc a fixed blade you're smart um the expression is folding knives may never open fixed blades never close go for it keep going Tacware TW100 flashlight that fits in your pocket my favorite part about it is the hat clip actually uh, yeah, for when you go like, fishing at night, so you're not having to worry about like a headlamp. Uh, runs off just one AAA battery, has a cool little plastic thing, goes on top of it that disperses light instead of one direct beam. You learn all this when you have to learn all of the, all of the little things about every product yeah. in the store. Pen, paper, um, I used this as a weapon today. I was a bad guy today for a couple of times and this oh, is my only weapon. What is that? Um, this is made it's by like Tacware as well. It's called the Arty Tool. It's a titanium little multi-tool that has a screwdriver, pry bar, uh, nut driver, scraper, but it's shaped like an AR-15. And on the very end of it, your Phillips head screwdriver. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, well, I need you to get a screwdriver or something to be a weapon. And I was like, all right, grab this little bad boy out. And it probably works better than I thought it should have. Anyway, I always carry one of these, the Exotac lighter. Yeah, that's the fire the sleeve. The fire sleeve, holds my Bic lighter, keeps it safe. Um, in the woods, it's supposed to do a lot for you. And I'm gonna be honest, it's probably saved my lighter from the washer and dryer more than anything else. But to know I have it, know that it's usefulness is pretty cool. And you took off the child's safety on the Bic because you're smart. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to say. Like those child safeties just get in the way. Yeah, you're not a child. <laughs> Obviously I got my wallet and then I got a pretty cool, uh, the guys from OSS suppressors came by and this has just ended up transferring each and every pocket. Mm -hmm. No, Silencer Co. It was Silencer Co that came by. Handed out those, so I got a bandana. Really, and then I got my little Browning multi-tool. Yeah. They always say multi-tools are smart to carry and I've never spent a dollar on one. I got this gave, given to me when I do like a red paper clip trade up thing, mm -hmm. have you ever heard of that? No, I never have, what is it? Somebody starts a little red paper clip and it's a whole big story online that you read about. They started the red paper clip, they trade it all the way up and like at the very end of the story, they trade this record deal for a giant house. Like, oh, is it kind of like you can trade something, but it's got to be better than what you originally got? Yeah. Yep. So they start off from the bottom. They work all the way up to the house. It all starts with one paperclip. No monetary, like no money, like yeah, yeah, pretty legit. And it just came in one of my trades. So I've always had the branding multi-tool. You know, it's interesting. We talk about trading. We talk about the gear that you have. Um, at one point, we talked about, we threw around the idea of having like a trade blanket, like a giant trade blanket in the parking lot here with you know, people that are local, they would fly in or drive in or whatever it may be, open up the trunk of their car. And obviously we'd abide by all the laws. We wouldn't make sure that you're not selling anything illegal. Like, here, you know, come to the, you know, my, my meth trunk, <laughs> you know? Um, but we talked, we talked about that. And I, I, I love the idea of trading. I'd rather trade with people than buy stuff from people because you know what? 
I think it's more personal. Um, you know, everything's done with a handshake. It's like, are you good with that? Awesome. We shake hands and then guess what? You get a piece of gear that you like. I get gear that I like. There's no money involved. And I think the barter system, getting back to the pillar of community, right? right? Barter goes a long way. Um, that AR-15 I shot was the end of my paperclip. That's awesome. I traded a banjo for it. That's crazy. Probably the most redneck trade known to man. Banjo for an AR. Man, that's a great story right there. So we covered your everyday carry. We covered a little bit about community. Um, do you have a mindset quote that you live by? Is there any is there any words that are pithy that you're like, hey, this is like a family tradition or a quote? Because mindset we can tie to to strong words. So do you have anything that stands out for you? As far as mindset goes, yeah, yeah, like something that you're like, you know what? This is what I. These are words that I fall back on, like when I need direction or anything like that. I'm sure I do, but I'm drawing up blank right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the only words that I really say around like that I can really think of is look for work. Um, mm. There's always something to be done. And that's what got me to where I'm at here was just I can't sit still. There's a lot of downtime when you're working the back end of logistics. And if it's not a busy time, like what else are you going to do? Yeah, there's always got to be something to do. Yeah, that's a solid quote. I know Kevin Owens just talked about that today. He, I mean, Kevin Owens, who I mean, he's he's high up here in the company. He's in the back of the, the warehouse cleaning, mopping the floor. Right. And here's the thing. It needs to be done. And he got back before all of us and he's doing it before all of us. So look for work. You, you don't. The problem is when people say, oh, that's below me. I shouldn't be doing that. It's like it needs to get done. You know, stop being ego driven. Help out, you know, get that mop. George Bell is the same way. I, that yeah, was what I was is. the most impressed with when I first started working here was when I was first introduced to him, it was like, oh, hey, this is our vice president, George Bell. Shook his hand and he made some sort of joke like he always does and went up to his office. And I was like, okay, vice president, that's cool. I got to meet him. The next day he's coming down with like a broom and sweeping the whole shop and like making jokes and being completely happy while doing it. I think that's what you, when you know, like, that's a good man. Like, that's why, yeah. you know, that, that's how, you know, that guy got as far as he is. Next pillar, Fieldcraft survival fit, right? So fitness and health. Do you have any fitness or health tips? Hmm. That's all encompassing. There's so much with that one. That's, Oof. there's a lot. Man, I eat entirely too much barbecue to really worry about fitness. I okay. gotta tell you that I'm a big barbecue guy, but I uh, keeping, keeping going, never slowing down mm -hmm. the day when you have a day off. Like if you sit on the couch all day on your day off, you're going to get hurt or eventually you're going to stop going. If that makes sense. Like you can never, a rolling stone gathers no moss. You're never going to rust if you don't stop. And you didn't have that quote two minutes ago, a rolling stone gathers no <laughs> moss. Come on, man. Well, uh, when I think of mindset, so I've, I went to a ton of different classes from, have you ever heard of the Arbinger Institute? I've never heard of that. They, uh, they're a big thing for like industrial and corporations to bring okay. in, to change mindsets of their leaders. And for me, like my mindset is always, you know, anything I can do to help is always a big one, but I'm trying to think of how to put this. There's a story they tell about a garbage man. Now this, this gentleman lives in this nice cul-de-sac. It's all big, rich, fancy houses. And, uh, one day, he realizes he forgot his garbage to take it out. He hears a garbage truck coming and he's getting up and throwing all of his stuff on. And by the time he gets out of the front door, the garbage truck's moving on, but he realizes that the garbage is already down at the end of the curb. And he's like, huh, that's weird. But he knew some of his neighbors and knows some of his neighbors are like friends. And so he's thinking maybe one of them came out, got his garbage and rolled it down. He's like, well, that's pretty cool. I'm glad I have neighbors like that. 
goes back in, doesn't think much of it. A couple of days later, they're having a block party. And he goes in and starts talking to some of his friends. One of his friends says, oh, yeah, I noticed the garbage man low, rolling your uh, garbage can down at the end of the driveway the other day. He's like, what? I thought that was like one of you guys. He's like, no, the garbage man got out and did it. And somebody else had a, a story about the garbage man doing almost the same thing of, you know, I left my purse on top of the garbage can when I rolled it out that night. He, he grabbed my purse, walked up to my doorstep, left it there, like tucked behind a shrub, came back down, dumped my garbage and split. Well, now everybody's starting to realizing kind of like what this garbage man is doing for him, right? Now, you would think the moral of that story would be well, like, oh, cool, man, I don't have to roll my garbage can out anymore. The garbage man's going to come and do it. He said uh, that the next time for garbage night, I was out early. I had my garbage to the end of the road. I was measuring in between my cans just to make sure that it was that appropriate distance between. And he starts to apply this to mindset of uh, if you're a leader or even if, if somebody's going out of their way to make your life easier, chances are you're going to turn around to the same thing. Going out of your way to do something that may not be your job yields great results. If you're in it to make sure that everybody around you, including you, is succeeding, everybody else is going to be doing the same thing. One of the most effective parts of being a leader is that mindset of, you know, I want to build rapport. I want to make sure that this person knows that their best interest is in my best interest, and they're going to end up turning around thinking, that's a great guy. I'm going to work harder for that guy. So as far as mindset's concerned, like if I can do something to help somebody else, I know I'm going to get that back in the back end. Now, doing something like thinking of it as like a karma way of like, I know I'm going to get something good out of what doing this What goes around comes around, right. that type of thing, yeah. But like if I'm like quid pro quoing it, right? Like I mm -hmm. poured you coffee, you do something for me. Like it doesn't work that it way. It definitely doesn't work that way. When it comes to mindset, that's what I always think about. Yeah, and you know something, with working at this company with everyone being like restless asses, and I say that in the nicest way, meaning <laughs> we can't just sit, like John mentioned, and watch TV. Everyone in this company grinds. Everyone, is, I mean, we're here right now, it's 7.15 at night. We're technically, by contract, essentially, Oh yeah, yeah. we're, we're supposed to be gone by five. Yes, we're here sir. at 7.15, still grinding, still doing stuff. Um, and no one wants to be the person at this company that does nothing. It's true. You know what I mean? So it's a great environment. and. You know, but we have a day like today where it's not just all work. Like as as much as today was work to promote the company, it's play, right? Like we get a chance to to fire uh, guns, you know, shoot guns and and you know run through scenarios for our simulator and things like that. Um, so now, real quick, because I know it is getting late. What's yes, your sir. ride? Fieldcraft mobility. Mobility is a pillar. What's your ride? I <laughs> so I uh, originally. Probably about nine months ago. The same time I found out my wife was pregnant, actually. I had a 2013 Ford F-150, had the 5.0, four-wheel drive. It was lifted, had a leveling kit on it, had the, uh, the rear locker on it where you pull it out and it mm -hmm. locks the rear differential. I absolutely loved that truck. And I, I ended up totaling it one day. Uh, instead of wanting to get back into car payments, I decided I was going to take a, a different route this time. I'd been watching some Dave Ramsey and wanted to make sure I was taking care of some of my financial ends which has actually been a really great idea for what's Very smart. happening lately. Um, yeah. I now drive a 2013, no, 2003 Lincoln Navigator. It's four-wheel drive. It's got the four captain seats. My four-year-old thinks she's uh, being chauffeured around as I drive her to school in Park City. Like, it's a, it's, it's a completely capable vehicle. has actually a more towing capacity than my F-150 did. I had no idea that that was going to be a thing. So, yeah, four-wheel drive uh, expedition. I have the dreams, and I'm setting out the plan to build out a bug-out Bronco is what I'm going to call it. Not the new Bronco, right? No. no. <laughs> You're like, no, I want the old school. I'm going to go with the 90s OJ Bronco. Oh, 
Oh, the white one. Yeah. I just Al, got, Al Cowling's in the front seat, right? It's exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I want that to have the same 5.0 manual. And it's going to look like the mixture between the OJ Bronco and a Stormtrooper. That's my whole idea behind it. So my wife and I have been scaling Utah trying to find them. The weird thing about Utah, and especially during what's been happening recently with COVID and shutdowns, is four-wheel drives are just becoming insanely expensive. You know, an early 90s, mid-90s Bronco that I could have bought for $1,500 two, three years ago is going for like $4,000, $4,500 now. It's, it's insane. But I guess everything's that way, like ammo and all of it. Yeah. So last thing, uh, one of the other pillars that we always talk about with Fieldcraft is homestead. Homesteading. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious, either talk about, maybe not, definitely don't tell where you live, sure. but is there anyone at home that you want to give a shout out to, or is there anything that you do at home that you're like, this is a John Bliss tradition? Like, what do you got? So first shout out at home though, is my wife. My wife, Megan is a sweetheart. I love her. The most, she's great. She's my rock man. Um, she went to school in Charleston, South Carolina, and she's got a, a degree in culinary arts from the art Institute. And and she's, I grew up eating, uh, there's a famous line in City Slickers when they're, they're meeting the camp cook and he's like, food's hot, brown, and plenty of it. And that's, that's essentially what I grew up with, man. Beans, potatoes, and meat, that's the staples. Yeah, choke it down. I never had, a, what is that called? Kale. Never had kale before, never had Brussels sprouts before. Arugula? Arugula, yeah. There's some crazy stuff that I'd never tried before. And like, my wife must have thought I was a hick when she first met me because of all this stuff I didn't know. But my, because of my wife, I've got to travel to South Carolina, to Florida. You know, I've got to catch some of my dream bucket fish, um, kind of snook in Florida, redfish in Charleston, South Carolina. Like, I've got to do some cool things because of my wife and her amazing family. My family's pretty amazing too. If you're listening to this, mama, I, I love you. Sorry. But uh, my wife, as far as homesteading goes, my wife's an amazing cook and she's starting her own baking company right now. She had uh, her job sold while she was on maternity leave with my, my recent born child. And she decided that she's going to chase her dreams. She had a, a, it was called Sweet Cheeks Cupcakes while she lived in Baltimore and did really well there. Now that we're here in Heber, Park City area, she was really excited to try it again. And so Blissed, Bliss Baked Joy is what she's is doing. Um, at some of our local events, Kevin and Mike, I gave Mike some cupcakes and he ate them all in like a night. Uh, they've been really kind to let me bring that in. But homesteading at home, I'm carrying on my mother's tradition of a garden. Yeah. Uh, I am renting a home and the guy that owns my home is like one of the biggest dairy farmers in this valley. So it's a nice big yard and there's already a little garden plot out there. Yeah. I called him this spring and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm thinking of extending my garden out about 100 feet. And I'm expecting a little bit of like hesitation or kickback. And I was going to like over like hundred feet. I thought he was going to be like, maybe like 25, 50, not even hesitation. All right, cool. How you guys doing? All right. What are you growing? So, um, I didn't know this, but okra, I, I grew okra last year and it did really well. Peppers did really well. So we're planning on doing a couple different strains of corn peppers. Our lettuce did really amazing. So we're going to do a couple rows of lettuce. But the cool thing about living in a small town in, in Utah like this is there's other farmers. So things that I can't do, I can't get, I can't raise my own cow, my own goat. I can't raise any of those where I'm at. So I can take my stuff and trade it. And there's a lot, there's like a small homesteading network here in Utah that you take your goods and say, hey, I have this. Does anybody want to trade? And somebody may have something that you don't have. Back to that barter again, huh? Like, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a great way of life, man. Uh, and especially here in Utah, everybody's so, well, I shouldn't say everybody. 
there's a lot of people that you meet the good people in these small towns. Rob and I were talking on the way back from the shoot. Like when you meet the good people here, they're always like at arms a distance away. Like if you ever need anything, they're always just right there. And that's been pretty amazing. So it's going to be in my other full-time job being a gardener this year. Yeah. <clears throat> so for those of you that are dreaming of having a garden someday, maybe you have a limited space in the city, right? Like there, it's very possible for those of you that have gardens, good for you, right? Like it's, you should, um, there's a whole culture of urban gardening where you're gardening in flower pots, right? You yeah. can grow potatoes in flower pots. You can grow potatoes in uh, burlap sacks, right? So with the vertical gardens, we posted yes. a couple, couple months yes. ago, somebody had taken shoe organizers and put them along their fence and grew each individual plant. That is genius. Yeah. And you know, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, beard culture and, and things yes, like sir. that. There's a whole culture to see how many pounds of vegetables you can grow on a half acre or really, or in a, in a, you know, it's, they basically do like a ratio of poundage to acreage. Mm -hmm. Right. And there are some people in a very, very small garden that are using uh, raised beds in addition to the garden on the ground. And they're pulling out enough food in a small, small plot for their family for the entire year. That's amazing. It's, it's awesome. Like I, as cool as everything is with like the guns and the knives and like everything that draws people to field craft, right? Like a lot of the, you know, the mobility and the cool four by fours, some of the real survival schools or survival skills come down to growing plants, right? Well, it all boils down to one thing. What's that? The one thing behind everything that we sell here is self-sufficiency. Yeah. Being able to survive for an extended period of time without the help of outside resources. That's the dream. And that's what everybody seems to be working for, which is funny because as, as a society, we've worked the complete opposite way. Yeah. And now what's really starting to catch on is this. I want to be self-sufficient. Have you ever heard the John Prine song, blow up your TV, throw away the paper. Are you going to sing it? Oh, no, I, hell, I ain't going to sing on this thing, but <laughs> <clears throat> well, you know, I think the pendulum is starting to swing the other way. Um, I think in society, we've seen a lot of people say, well, what about me? What about me? What about me? Yep. What can be done for me? Uh, give me, give me, give me, right? Like uh, generation me, right? I've heard people say that the new generation is generation me because everything is so self-centered with Instagram and, and selfies, yeah. right? Well, it's, I think it's going to swing the other way. I think we're already seeing that momentum build. But uh, John, it's been, it's been cool. Um, normally, I wrap a, a podcast up by saying, hey, where can people find you? But it's literally downstairs from where we are. <laughs> right here. Um, so in addition to your Instagram, which I, I want you to give, uh, give the address of, of our HQ here um, and tell people your hours, when they can sure. find you, and all that great stuff. So hop onto your Instagram. Go on over to fieldcraft.survival.hq, and that page is dedicated to HQ. You know, there's going to be a lot of our products listed there, but there's also going to be a lot of photos of the cool people that come in and the cool people that are already here. The whole intention behind that page is to keep you, keep you up to date with what's going on at HQ. I know I get a tagged in a lot of, uh, or that page gets tagged in a lot of things that happen elsewhere in the other country. This is just for HQ. This is for right here in Heber city. Now, as far as I'm concerned, my hours are Tuesday through Saturday. I'm here from, I'm supposed to be here at 10 AM. I'm always here at 9 AM. Cause I just, because you grind uh, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And uh, that's that's subject to change. It sounds like they're shifting my job over to a couple of different things where those hours may change. But I'm not a hard guy to get a hold of. If you ever want to get a hold of me individually, my personal Instagram is EDJ underscore every underscore day underscore John. The intention of that is just I'm an everyday guy 
who didn't have any history in this type of stuff, walking into a world of military tactics, survival, first aid, and I'm learning something new every day. So I'm always hoping to post something that I found cool, that, I, that really helped me in this journey and share it, as well as all the cool people that come along that I get to network with. I met Miss Montana. Oh, and uh, she follows me. Yeah, she seems like a sweetheart. I love how she's she's like a no apologies. Yeah, uh, no BS. Yeah, no BS, and it seems like a, a tough muchacha. Um, For some reason, those type of girls grad grad gravitate to this type of place. Yeah. Now, is it is it Tawny or Tawny? You know, I never. I always just. I've never <laughs> asked her. I never did either. I just called her what? missing ma'am. If you're listening, Tawny or Tawny. Uh, you got to tell us how to say your name. <laughs> I, want, I want to give proper attribution. Um, but yeah, check out the website, guys. We're putting all sorts of cool stuff up there. We listed a whole bunch of new courses. Um, there's going to be more courses, too. By the way, if you're listening to podcasts, you get the first crack at hearing this. Uh, yep. We're contemplating a course about uh, small farm butchering. Yes. Chickens, rabbits, uh, and then working as a team to do a, a larger game animal. Uh, we're talking well, right now on the on the site, we have Mike Lowe, who is on a loan. He's a U.S. Air Force, uh, or was a U.S. Air Force survival instructor. Uh, we've got Bob Berg from Thunderbird Atalatals. He's coming here to do a two-day all-primitive survival seminar where people are going to make their own atalatals, learn how to use them, flint nap. Like, if you guys are into primitive survival, sign up for that one. He is a legend. Um, we got all sorts of cool stuff coming up. And uh, one of the other things is if you go see John in the in the pro shop, if you see him down at the HQ in our, our retail store, he has the ability to sign you up right there. That's true. So, so yeah, another reason to come in and talk to John. Um, but that's about it, guys. One last thing about the store before yeah, we up? sign off. Yeah. If you come in and you are a first responder, if you are in the military, or if you're on our locals platform, please let me know. Number one, I, I always want to say thank you. Thank you for your service. If you've been military, first responder, anything like that. But you also do get a discount at our store here in HQ because we always appreciate those who serve and protect us. Guys, I don't know how we could uh, end on a better high note. So uh, thanks for listening. I'm Kevin Estella with Fieldcraft Survival. We'll see you next time. <laughs>